0: You're listening to A Stranger Podcast. www.thestranger.com
1: If you're stuck in a relationship quandary Or if you're looking for sexual harmony
2: Well, there's nothing you can't ask On the Savage Podcast. Cast So, Mississippi. You remember Constance McMillan, the lesbian high school student in Mississippi who wanted to go to prom in a tux and take her girlfriend and had to sue. And the school canceled prom and blamed Constance. And then all of her classmates blamed Constance for the cancellation of prom, uh, which didn't have to happen. The school could have just allowed her to go to prom with her girlfriend in her tux. And ultimately what the school did was stage a fake prom that they sent Constance to with six other students Uh, some of them disabled students from the school, while parents organized a secret off-site prom for the rest of the student body. This is going to court, the ACLU suing, blah, blah. We're all familiar with Constance McMillan. She's not, as it turns out, the only lesbian high school student in Mississippi. We need some sort of, I think, underground railway to get all these kids out of fucking shithole Mississippi. But in the meantime, there are other queer kids in Mississippi, including Sierra Sturgis who is a high school student, uh, has been going to a school called the Wesson Attendance Center. Sounds pretty grim, as perhaps all high schools in Mississippi uh, should. Truth in advertising, welcome to the Attendance Center. And she's a lesbian, she's out, she's been in this school at this Attendance Center where there is a grade school and a high school for 12 years. She is an honor student. She's racked up all sorts of academic awards. She graduates this fall, or this uh, spring, And she took a picture in a tux and wanted that in the yearbook. The school said, no way, no tux for you. And she contacted the ACLU and made some noises and complained. And her family's on her side, her mother's on her side. And so the yearbook comes out and it doesn't include her picture, which she knew it wouldn't. It also doesn't include her name or any other pictures of her. They have scrubbed her from the yearbook. She does not exist. There's a list of graduating seniors. She isn't on it. Her mother points out in an article uh, in the newspaper there, they do have newspapers there in Mississippi, that there are drug dealers, kids with criminal records whose pictures are in the yearbook, but not her daughter, the lesbian, because she wanted to wear a tux. You know, what the fuck? What the fuck? Queer kids, queer teenagers exist and they're out and thank God... Increasing numbers of them have the love and support of their family. Constance McMillan's family's on her side. Sierra Sturgis's family on her side. And you know what? Fuck you, bigots in Mississippi who run the schools there, who run the high schools, who seem to think that you have the right to torture, torment, silence, marginalize, stigmatize these kids. And with impunity, you know what? No more. No more impunity. We're going to get up in your faces. We're going to get up in your grills when you pull this shit. The website for the wesson attendance center Uh, includes ronald greer the principal's email and you can email him at r d g r e e r at c o p i a h dot k12 dot ms dot us i would encourage you to send him an email and tell him that ain't okay And that address is on the Savage Love site, including the school's phone number, 601-643-2221. And just, you know, setting this aside, setting my anger aside, a word for anyone listening who's a gay middle schooler, lesbian high school student, in some shithole little town somewhere in the middle of nowhere, just know that the assholes who run your schools, that your peers who reject you... You will one day, you know, five, ten years from now realize that they did you a kind of a favor because when you get out of Fulton fucking Mississippi and join the real world, you're going to realize that you were expelled from a place that wasn't that interesting, that didn't have much to offer, and that the life you're going to enjoy – once you get the fuck out of the shithole that is run by these assholes is going to be so much more rewarding and so much more interesting than the life you could have had if everything was easy and nice and people weren't douchebags and you just fit in and conformed and were to dyke and didn't have to go. Consider, you know, you're being rejected. You're being cast out. But what are you being cast out of when you're being cast out of Mississippi? You're being cast out of a shithole state being cast out of what is practically, when you look at health statistics, education statistics, a third world country, and you will join the real world. You will find a community, you will have a life, and you will one day look back on the school that made you feel like you had no choice but to get as far as you possibly could from your hometown, and you'll think, thank God for that experience. Thank God they lit a fire under me and I left. And you're going to win. You're going to have a more interesting life. You're going to have more interesting friends, more interesting experiences. You will win. They think they're winning when they make you feel like shit, when they make you feel like you have to go. They are just building a prison around themselves. Their conformity is a prison they have constructed around themselves. And fuck them. Fuck them, fuck them, fuck them. And fuck the Wesson Attendance Center and the bigots who run it. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout.
3: Hey, Dan. This is Owen, 27 years old. I have kind of a weird issue. Uh, set up one of my friends with an acquaintance who I wouldn't really call a friend, but someone I knew. They dated for about three months. And now they've broken up. My friend broke up with the acquaintance and the acquaintance has now become this completely different guy that none of us thought he would Texts every day to my friend, um, has called all of us um, names, has said drunks, called him a liar, um, text messages every day. You know, we just don't understand it. He stopped responding. This has now gone on for a month. He just sent him a text message saying, happy month breakup. And now, Um, today he sent my friend a text message saying, sorry for the letter I sent your parents. So he is in a little bit of a tough spot. He doesn't know if he actually sent a letter to his parents. Um, my friend has recently come out to his parents and that's kind of weird for him. And it's just been really difficult. So I want to help him because I set him up and I put him in this trap and I feel bad for him. And I just don't know how, and I don't know what to say. I don't know if I should confront the acquaintance or not. And I need your help.
2: Absolutely, fucking lutely you should confront your acquaintance. You vouched for this person when you introduced him to your friend. Whether or not you should have, whether or not you knew enough about him to vouch for him, clearly now we know the answer to those questions. You didn't and you shouldn't have. But you did and you have to take some responsibility here. You need to get up in this motherfucker's grill and call him off and make it clear that you don't ever want to make his acquaintance again if this is the way he's going to treat People. And you need to reach out to the person that he's tormenting, a person who would not have met him, would not have gone out on a date with him, would not be suffering what he's suffering now were it not for your actions. Take some responsibility. Get up in this piece of shit's grill. Make this your problem. Make yourself this acquaintance of yours' problem. And make it clear that this had better fucking stop or there will be consequences for him. That he's not tormenting. Your friend in some vacuum, there he will be held accountable for his actions. What will that accountability look like? Well, he's gonna get a reputation, and you're going to help give him that reputation as a piece of shit douchebag, asshole, stalker, monster that nobody should date, that nobody should get within a hundred miles of. Like a lot of assholes who retaliate like this when they've been dumped. He probably thinks he can get away with this. He probably thinks no one's going to know about it. He probably thinks this is just between him and the guy who dumped him. You need to make it clear to him that it's between him and the guy he dumped and his parents and you and everyone you know and everyone the guy that he dumped that dumped him knows and that in the long run he's just blackening his own name and he is going to be single at least in this town if you have anything to do about it forever.
0: Hi, Dan. I was calling because I met this guy, and everything's awesome, great, sex is great, but um, he has an excessive amount of semen, like, he's he's able to uh, fucking zoro spray the wall with it, um, and eventually I'm going to have to, like, perform all sex on this guy, I don't know what to do, it's just, um it's intimidating and uh, it doesn't diminish because I know because we're in the first phase of our relationship and it seems like there's even more. I don't know. So if you have any advice, please let me know.
2: Rest assured you're not going to drown. However much spunk he produces, it isn't enough to kill you. Here's what you do with a guy who, you know, is a fire hose and they're out there. There's some guys who just come buckets Wherever his dick is in your, you know, if you're worried you can't swallow the whole thing or you'll feel bloated afterwards uh, or you won't be able to keep up and you'll gag, here's what you do. The moment he starts to ejaculate, wherever his dick is at that moment, if it's halfway down your throat or just at the back of your throat, pull it forward a little bit. Wrap your fist around the base of his cock. Keep doing what you're doing. But lift the back of your tongue and close off your sinuses, your airway, your throat, your air passage. Close it all off. And just let his cum fill your mouth and run out of your mouth. Whatever you can't swallow or don't want to swallow or don't want to save for later. Just let it run out of your mouth. Let it splatter all over his lap and his thighs or the bed or whatever. It's okay to make a mess. It's okay to pick mess over gagging, retching, drowning. So just make a mess. Let it all fall out of your mouth. Swallow a little bit as a gesture. But let the rest run out of your mouth. This is really what I like to call a non-problem problem problem. Not really a problem. Just let him have his orgasm, swallow what you can, and move on.
4: Hey,
5: Dan. I just had a question. Um, I was with a guy for seven months, and we broke up about a month ago because I was having a lot of family issues, was involving him in them, and I just wanted to take some of the pressure off. And he told me over the course of a month that he, you know, when he when I was ready, we could be together and, you know, things were good. I asked him if we could start over. He said yes. We ended up sleeping with each other, like, three weeks ago, and then as soon as I was ready um, to be with him again, he says no, and he says, I don't think it's a good idea, and I don't see us working. I love you as a friend. My parents don't see us seriously, and his parents are very Catholic, and his mom is a minister, and I just, you know, I, I really, really love him, and I know he still has a connection with me, a very strong connection but and he's already seen another girl who he says he's in love with and says that he thinks that he can see himself getting married and I'm just wondering some advice to get over this, or do you think it was wrong for me to break up to try and fix some family issues? I need some advice. I've tried going out more, tried hanging out, and it's still just you know something in me is saying that he you know, it's, it's blind to what I tried to do, and I felt, you know, he led me on and lied to me, and he still really cares for me, but I just I just don't know what
2: to do. Yeah, it sounds like what he did was shitty. He was perhaps just hedging his bets. Maybe he wanted one last farewell fuck, but didn't think he could get it out of you if he was honest that that's all he was after, and this other girl he was already seeing or he'd already made up his mind that you guys weren't a match and he didn't want to be with you. So, yeah, he did something shitty. However you cut it, something shitty. Setting that aside, let's talk about the shitty thing you did. You dumped him because you were having family issues. Alrighty, then. Uh, Life is a long parade of stressful family issues. What you communicated to him when you dumped him for that reason was that you would be dumping him over and over and over again. That however strongly you felt about him, it wasn't strong enough that you could continue to see him or even wanted to continue to see him when you were under strain and pressure and stress. So you dumped him. And now hopefully you've learned your lesson, that a boy is not a library book, that you can return and then check out later when you're ready to pick up the thread again. You can't just take him to the boy library and drop him off uh, confident that he's going to be there in four weeks for you to check out again. Because in the intervening four weeks, somebody else might have checked him out. Again, I'm not saying that he didn't do something shitty to you. Sounds like he did something shitty to you. But you also did something shitty, less shitty, but shitty to him. You told him, or shitty to yourself really, you told him that you're not really ready to be in a committed relationship. You told him that when you're under stress, you're going to bolt. And he made a rational decision, I think, that you're not ready to be in a committed relationship. And then he's not going to wait around as you, you know, ping pong in and out of his life based on how you're feeling at the moment. So what do you do? That's not really a question. How do you get over him? You coat yourself in the saliva of of other men. That always worked for me. And moving forward, you date when you're ready to date. When you're ready to have – if you want a committed relationship as opposed to casual relationships and casual dating and casual fucking around, date when you're ready – to go to a partner and offer and expect what people in serious, committed, love, long-term relationships offer and expect, which is not somebody running for the door every time there's a crisis or an emergency or a stressful situation or a quote-unquote family issue, but somebody who sticks by your side when you're having family issues and is the person that you rely on for emotional support. And same for you. That when you're having family issues, that you rely on your boyfriend, husband, whatever, for emotional support. That you don't shut yourself down, shut yourself off, and end it temporarily while you deal with whatever the issue is. And if you're not willing to have someone in your life who's there for you and you allow to be there for you when you're having a crisis, you're not really ready for the kind of commitment that you seem to think you were ready to have with this guy now. So, shitty things happened, uh... He did something shitty. You did something shitty to yourself. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com, and enter savage at checkout.
6: Hey, Dan. um, This is a 26-year-old straight male from Northern California. Um, Basically, um, I've had girlfriends in the past, but on occasion between girlfriends I have gone and seen escorts. Um, Just last weekend I went and saw one, and just from the very, very beginning it was very strange. Um, I don't know. I just had this, like, instant spark or connection. I don't know yeah, I know that you don't necessarily feel in love at first sight per se, but, uh, for some reason there was just something about it and it just, it went really well. I just felt something really like just instant with her and it seemed like things went really well with, you know, with each other on all aspects. And, uh, she ended up saying, you know, I could continue to like text her after. Um, and throughout the week I have been, and we've just been having conversations off and on throughout the week. Um, I just, I don't know how to explain it other than just an extreme connection, not that I've really honestly ever felt before. Um, my question is actually, um, do you feel like that was necessarily just professional courtesy or am I reading too much into it? And the other question was, if it wasn't, would it be fair to ask her out on like a dating sort of situation? even though I met her in a non-traditional way.
2: You know, I felt this instant spark and connection, uh, this feeling of some instantaneous bond when I saw Brad Pitt and Thelma Louise with his shirt off. But I don't think he returned my feelings for him. So it's good that you're doubting your own impulses here because you did meet uh, in a commodified situation. But she invited you to be in touch. She asked you uh, to text message with her and she's engaging you in conversation. Perhaps it's just good client maintenance. Perhaps she's just really into the service industry aspect of the service industry that she's in. Or perhaps she's interested in you as a human being. There is only one way to find out, which is to ask her, not me. You have to be willing to risk something. You have to be willing to risk being wrong and feeling a, a bit like a fool and a bit like you've been played. What you should do is you know, keep up the conversation And then say, you know, I feel like maybe we have a connection that goes beyond client, service provider. And if you want to go out on a date sometime, I'd love to take you out on a date sometime uh, in a non-commodified sense of a date sometime. And she can either say yes or no. And she very well could say yes. You know, escorts do have emotional lives, emotional needs. Escorts and people who do sex work have boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives and families often. So you can't rule her out as a potential romantic possibility or potential partner possibility just because of the way you met. But you have to be willing to take a risk. You have to be willing to step up to the plate, put yourself out there, and potentially hearing no, potentially being told that, oh, you're misreading my signals. I do this with all my clients that I want to see more than once. And there are a lot of escorts out there. And some of the best advice for escorts is to – You know, put out your ad, hang out your shingle, build a clientele, an established clientele, and then pull down the shingle because then you're not going to attract the attention of the police. And if you have an established group of customers that you see regularly whose sanity and health and uh, (laughs) tipping you're certain about, that's better than just like random guys or random girls or random whatever coming by all the time. So she may be just trying to turn you into one of those valued, trusted, regular clients that smart sex workers cultivate. Again, only one way to find out. Ask her out. See what she says.
0: Hi, Dan. um, I'm a 25-year-old lesbian, and I have a question about how long is too long to wait before a couple has sex. Um, I met a girl on Craigslist and we emailed for a very long while, finally um, went on a date, and it came up during our one date that she thought it was way too soon for people to have sex, even by the third date. And she was actually a little bothered by the fact that I had had a few one-night stands. Um, Nothing really happened after that. I really liked her and she really seemed like me, and I don't know who didn't text or write who back, but nothing ever came of it. Um, But it did make me wonder, um, I think that potential partners should have sex at least by the third or fourth date to make sure they're compatible, but um, on the other hand, she wasn't asking me to wait until marriage, Um, you know, like we couldn't even get married, but um, is it setting up a relationship for possible failure to wait so long to have sex?
2: I've always been an established sexual compatibility early and often type myself. I'm on your side. I, I think you shouldn't wait forever, but you may find yourself in a situation where you are dating or attracted to or falling in love with someone who isn't on the same page, someone who doesn't feel the way you do, someone who wants to wait. And at that moment, you can, you know, take your bat and ball and go home, or you can decide that in this instance, in this case, this person is worth pandering to. This person is worth perhaps an adjustment in your expectations and your usual routine. And so wait, you know, three or four dates isn't that long to wait. You know, even a month or two, if that's what this person that you're attracted to needs to feel secure getting naked with you and chopping down on your pussy and jumping in bed and scissor sistering around, you decide at that moment if she's worth paying that staggering price if she's worth waiting a little longer than you might normally wait you get to make that call for yourself and if she ain't go if she is wait you never know what you might cheat yourself out of if you're too rigid about things like this so i'm on your side yeah establish sexual compatibility early often but sometimes you gotta take it on a case-by-case basis and you might meet somebody that you decide at that moment who disagrees with us, you and me, on the established sexual compatibility early and often issue, you may decide at that moment is worth uh, two, three months investment. to See how it works out.
4: Hi, Dan. I'm calling actually on behalf of my brother who was recently diagnosed with AIDS. Um, he does know who this person is that he contracted it from. Unfortunately, it was a guy that he was in love with and trusted and all of those sorts of things, um, which just goes to show me that this disease can happen to anyone. Um, What my question is, my brother no longer has a relationship with this man, and this man has been pretty intrusive in his life, calling him at all hours of the night, things like that, even though my brother has told him to go away. But... I feel like my brother should tell him what has happened, that he's contracted AIDS and that he feels that this man is the one that he got it from. My brother's fear in doing this is that this man will then spread around to everybody in the community that my brother has AIDS and will therefore ruin his life. So, I feel a little bit of responsibility that you know, this man should know so that he doesn't do this to anyone else. I would hate for another family to have to go through this. Um, But I can understand my brother's perspective as far as he's worried that it will ruin his life.
2: This is a case of I wish I could call you back because I have some questions. I I assume what you mean is your brother contracted HIV, that he hasn't been diagnosed with full-blown AIDS, which is different. Then just being HIV positive doesn't mean you have acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Uh, and when you say your brother's pretty sure he got it from him, does that mean your brother and this man weren't monogamous? Was your brother having sexual contact with other men? If that's the case, we can't know for sure that this guy infected your brother. It could be the case that your brother infected this guy. If he picked up the virus elsewhere and brought it into this relationship that he was having, given my druthers, you know, and if I ruled the world, your brother would tell the guy why he's ending the relationship, that he suspects that he contracted HIV from him. But, you know, if he's having sex with other guys, admit that it's a possibility that he got it elsewhere and encourage this guy to himself get tested uh, and take steps to – protect his own health and protect the health of his future partner or partners. Your brother's concern though about stigma is real. And you know, if I ruled the world, I could also then therefore erase the stigma around HIV, which would make other people finding out not an issue for your brother, but that's a real issue for your brother. And it's a real issue period for all HIV positive folks. And most HIV positive folks in their own time and at their own pace decide to be open about it. It's less complicated. Your life is less complicated when you're not hiding some big sexual secret. That's what we learn about coming out as gay in the first place. But right now he's not ready to be out as a as an HIV positive person. And if he feels telling his ex the real reason why he's ending it, could lead to everyone on earth or everyone in your town knowing and uh, perhaps discriminating against him. Uh, your brother has a right to do exactly what he's doing now. I would, if I were you encourage him to think of other people, people who uh, might be in that guy's bed, in his ex's bed right now, uh, you don't say whether the ex is believed to have acted with malice. Perhaps the ex, as many HIV positive people, isn't aware that he's HIV positive. And out of ignorance put your brother at risk uh, and infected your brother. And there was no malice involved. But ultimately it's your brother's decision to make. And I think you're doing all you can right now. You're doing the right thing. You're encouraging him to do the right thing. But then you need to step off and let him make his own decision and do what he feels now is right for him.
7: Hey there, Dan. Uh, I'm a 23-year-old gay guy living in a middle-sized city in the south. Uh, about six months ago or so, I broke with my boyfriend. of uh, nine months. Uh, about a month later, I was diagnosed with HIV. Um, I had, you know, actively avoided relationships um, had decided that since I had been in some sort of relationship almost the entire time since I had come out of the closet, that I would take some time off myself. So the coincidental timing was perfect. Um, but now I'm sort of considering dating again. And, uh, on top of the HIV, uh, I also do some, some sex work, um, escorting erotic massage, that sort of thing, uh, which is also kind of stigmatizing. And uh, on top of all that, I am rejected by a lot by the negative community, um, because of being positive. Uh, But positive people also kind of have a thing against me because I don't bear back, um, which is sort of a big thing around here. So in this sad city that I live in, is it something that I should just get used to and continue to just fuck around and have fun? Or is it something that I should look into more and, you know, open up my dating horizons and just try to get out there and find someone?
2: I just listened to your call. And I'm not clear about what your question is. Should you start dating again? Sure, start dating again. There are lots of other pos guys out there if you want to date pos guys. And if there are, you know, HIV negative guys who will date pos guys, you just have to find them. Um, and they're not that thin on the ground. And, you know, in this, if if barebacking is a huge deal in the city where you live, there will be lots more HIV positive guys for you to potentially date coming from the pike.
1: Right, I'll, you know, just be patient about that part, I suppose, and plenty of opportunities will exist. Um, but what I meant in that particular instance was it seems that within the pause community, at least here, it's specifically a big deal. Um, negative people, I think, you know, are in tune with the whole safer sex thing. No, it had more to do, with really, with the fact uh, to see if you had any particular advice of how to tackle the the uh, dual stigmas of being paused and being a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Um because both of those things, I believe, are things that turn a lot of partners off, and I don't, I mean, it's not anything that I just advertise to everyone I meet, but, you know, I am on the internet a lot for both myself, you know, professionally, and for fun, Um, and all that stuff is very upfront. It's all advertising all my profiles and everything.
2: Right, and I think that's good. I think you should be praised for being, for disclosing, A, that you're paused, and for disclosing to potential, you know, romantic partners that you do sex work, that's going to mm-hmm. weed out a lot of guys. You know, those are two high bars to clear. You know, uh, there are people. A lot of people don't want to date a sex worker, and, and I don't think that's necessarily just about stigma. And I think that's a legit personal preference because right. there are other STIs to worry about, and not everyone's secure enough, at least early on in a relationship, to share someone sexually. And if that's built in. To dating you, that's going to, you know, some guys are going to be excluded from your potential dating pool. But the more out and open you are about those two issues, the likely you are to find the guys who don't have a problem with either of those issues.
1: Right, exactly. That's in my theory so far. Um, the advice that I got from someone else in the industry was that, um, you know, we all kind of tend to clump together with each other. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of, of it in the city where I work in. Uh, I, I am a I'm in the South, like I mentioned in my call, and so there's not a whole lot of that going on. Uh, but anyway, so it just boils down to keep doing what I'm doing and just be patient yeah. with it then.
2: Keep doing what you're doing. And may I ask how you became positive, if you know?
1: I actually do not know. Um, I have always been kind of a safer sex queen. I was able to count uh, bareback experiences in my life on four fingers mm-hmm. beforehand out of however many dozens of sexual encounters. Um mm-hmm. So I'm not entirely sure. Um, there was a, I know that there was a co-infection with syphilis at the same time, which I know causes you to be more susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my that's my only guess. Was I just went in?
2: Well, it's good to hear. Test. It's good to hear that you know even with the higher risk that you incur by doing sex work and having multiple partners, that you were for the most part doing quote unquote everything right, <clears throat> uh, and you know picking choosing safer sex. And I think it's important for other people who might be listening to realize that not everyone who gets infected, you know, was being cavalier or stupid or reckless. Uh, Right. There's a certain – and it's important even for other gay men to know that. There's a certain number of people who will do, quote-unquote, everything right and will still get infected because condoms leaks, condoms break, um, and shit happens. And safe sex isn't 100%. Right.
1: Hence they are, I suppose –
2: yeah, hence the R. That's why we call it safe-er, not safe, period. So I'm glad that you're doing everything right. I would encourage you to keep doing everything right and to keep choosing safe sex and to keep disclosing to your romantic partners and your clients that you're positive Right. Okay, well, uh, thanks for your call. Good luck.
8: Hey, Dan. Um, I've been listening to the last couple podcasts. I'm a huge fan. But I've been a little worried lately about the things you've been saying about birth control, and while I agree that some of your callers should definitely break up with their lame boyfriends and girlfriends over their stupid birth control problems, um, I think you need to be a little bit more informed about some of the options out there. I know it doesn't get a lot of love, but I've got an IUD, and they're starting to become more popular, and it's the best possible option for some of these crazy collars that you've got going on. There's no hormones involved. It's a simple one-time procedure. It's totally reversible. And more importantly, it doesn't give what I call mad cow disease, meaning it doesn't make you totally fat and fucking crazy. So um, try recommending an IUD to your collars once in a while. It's also t- uh, totally cheap affordable form form of birth control, and it's starting to make a comeback. So lead the charge, Dan. Thanks a lot.
2: In my defense, if I may, I believe I've mentioned IUDs occasionally on the podcast. Folks need to remember that when something comes up, I can't always mention everything that possibly relates to or has to do with that thing. Uh, So I apologize if I omitted IUDs in that particular response. Moving on, you know, on behalf of the totally fat and fucking crazy community, I'm offended. By what you said about not being a part of the totally fat and fucking crazy community the totally fat and fucking crazy community is awesome they have a lot of fun there are actually two communities there's the totally fat community and the totally crazy community there's a little bit of overlap as there always is with any other community in the totally crazy community and on behalf of the totally fat and totally crazy communities i was offended
9: hi dan uh, i just listened to podcast 182 or a caller talked about her boyfriend's uh, third ball, she called it, and how concerned she is about it and how she really wants her boyfriend to seek medical advice about it. Two comments on this. First, Dan, I completely agree with you. This guy needs to get himself the fuck to a doctor and she should demand that she go. And you're absolutely uh, right about that. This is one of the reasons we have long-term partners in the first place, so there's someone to look out for us. Uh, so, and also she has a selfish motive too, because it turns out that if he is sick, guess who the burden of caring for him falls on? Probably her. So, uh, she has every right to do and that he go. But look, my second comment, uh, when the caller described that lumpy mass in her boyfriend's scrotum, you jumped immediately to testicular cancer in your response. Yeah, it, it could be that, but I wanted to offer... Another possibility that may keep the boyfriend away from the panic button. Uh, it sounds like it could also be a varicocele, uh, which, if you don't know what that is, it's a cluster of varicose veins that form in the scrotum, usually because of a defective valve. Uh, about 20% of men get them. I have a rather large one. Um, it doesn't interfere with uh, my ability to get an erection or to have sex or to ejaculate, but varicoceles can affect your fertility-minded uh, my sperm count was fine, but the quality was terrible. So uh, there are treatments available. You can have the varicocele surgically treated, and you can also get uh, some treatments to work around the bad sperm quality. Uh, we had these treatments, and as a result, uh, my beautiful little three-and-a-half-month-old daughter is asleep upstairs as I speak. But I wanted to point this out because if you want to have a family, a varicocele is not something you can ignore. It's not necessarily a showstopper, but you need medical advice. But, uh, Dan, your original advice was spot on. Go get this lump thing checked out, Mr., whoever you are. Not all lumps are cancerous, but they can still have an impact on your life that you may not fully appreciate. So go now.
10: Hey, Dan, uh, I'm just calling in response to the woman who is getting angry at you for getting angry at Christians and intolerance and all of that. And I just, whenever I hear that argument, the thing I want to point out is being Christian is a choice. Being gay, not a choice. Being Latino, not a choice. Being disabled, Most likely not a choice. Anything else that people are discriminated against for is not a choice, but being discriminated against because of your beliefs, those are beliefs that you choose. Even if they're, you know, you were raised Christian or whatever, once you're an adult, you can choose whether or not you want to do this, whether or not you want to go along with those beliefs. Um, So, you know, I think it's sort of okay to judge people based on choices that they make in their life. And yes, the religion you have is a choice. So just wanted to put that out there. Thanks. I love what you're doing. Have a great day.
6: Hey, Dan. I'm calling in regards to episode 182, specifically the advice you gave to the woman whose boyfriend was using Uh, BDSM play as an excuse to physically abuse her in bed. I have to take issue with the fact that you had a perfect opportunity to use the phrase green balloon, and just kind of drop the ball on that one. I know a lot of listeners, myself included, have been doing our parts to get this into the popular lexicon, but if you wanted to get it out there, you can't be missing opportunities like this.
2: Thanks for your responses. Uh, Folks who are curious about green balloons being a safe word only need to Google green balloons and safe word and you will read a delightful story about a Republican elected official douchebag who beat the fuck out of a woman and then insisted that it was her fault because she never used her safe word, green balloons. Republican, hypocritical, fucking anti-gay douchebags. We never run out of them in this country. Uh, As for discrimination – Based on choices, marital status is a protected class, and that is, of course, a choice. Military service is a protected class, and that is a choice. Not allowed to discriminate against people uh, for having children in many places. That is, of course, a choice, sometimes an accident, but often a choice. So I'm not with you there on we should all be free to discriminate against people based on their choices, uh, particularly their choice of religion. I don't think you're free to be protected from criticism based on your choice, marital status, military service, being gay, you're not protected from criticism, from argument, from other people's low opinions. I don't care if people have a low opinion of me for being gay. I just care if people are going to attempt to strip me of my civil rights or deny me my civil rights because of my homosexuality. But people are free to have and form and hold and cling to their idiot opinions. About whatever. And really that's what this show is all about, isn't it? Idiot opinions about whatever. This idiot's opinions usually, but sometimes yours. Sometimes my idiot's opinions. Which is why we welcome response calls. Thanks so much, everybody. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number. If you want to record a call, question, comment for a future podcast. 206-201-2720. Like I told you last week, we've now got Savage Love t-shirts available at thestranger.com slash. Savage merch. You can get a GGG t-shirt and let everybody know that your tits are GGG. You get a tech-heavy at-risk youth t-shirt. And really, everyone needs one of those. Unfortunately, for the moment, we can only ship these t-shirts in the United States. So if you're in Canada or England or China and you want one of these t-shirts, you'll have to get a friend in the United States to order it for you and mail it to you. 206-201-2720, that number again. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage i blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the savage love letter of the day and that's it for now but me and the tech savvy but not international postal system savvy at risk youth we we'll be back at you next week with another installment of the savage love cast thanks for listening